All right, let's get into Luke 19 this morning. Luke in chapter 19, and, and uh, we're going to start in verses 8 uh, through 10. And we're going to bounce around just a little bit in the scriptures. We'll eventually come back to the 10th verse, which is our key verse today. But we're linking this uh, to what we look at this time of year. We are linking this to uh, really and truly what we see, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and why he came here. Luke 19 and verse 8 says, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And so what I want to speak to you this morning is about this most cherished topic of a Christmas gift. A Christmas gift. Uh, we look at it this season, and guys, I realize it is very, very, very easy uh, to get caught up in the hustle and bustle of this season, the busyness, the, the scheduling, the family events, and, and all the things that are going on. The, you know, I know for us, the last eight weeks and eight weeks plus of the year, uh, guys, it seems to, I mean, just ramp up so hard. There's not, it's almost like we're treading water for Denise and I and Bailey. And, 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 and in all fairness, it really is in the ministry and, and the things that, that we're trying to, to get involved in and continue moving uh, with the church and churches. And, and, uh, but let me say this to you. I have to cognitively remind myself, don't allow it to get you. Don't bog down. Continue to remember what we're looking at this year. And these are opportunities and chances to bring the gospel, this greatest gift, into people's hearts and into their mind. So, beloved, in reality, when you look at Zacchaeus here, and again, that's not the focus this morning, it isn't, but the true signs of salvation is repentance. You say, well, preacher, I, I never repented, I never had to repent. Then you didn't get saved, okay? So let's get that one out of the box here this morning. The true sign of someone who is saved and born again is they repent of what they've done wrong. The word repent means to turn, uh, turn away from, to about face. If you're still living and acting and talking and walking uh, today the way you always have, then you got a second guess. You need to go back to that moment when you realize you were a sinner in need of salvation. And let me stop there for a second and park for just a moment. If there never was a time when you realized you needed the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, guys, then you're you're, struck, you're not in a place of where salvation brings you, amen? That's, there has to be a moment in your life. You may not remember the, the date, you may not remember the time, but there has to be a time when the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God laid upon your heart that you personally needed a Savior. And, uh, and if, and if you, you've never had that, then see me after church today, guys. We can sort that very simply just like that. But the true signs of salvation we see are repentance, restoration, praise God. That which was separated from God is now reconciled or restored back unto Him. Regeneration is another sign of a true salvation. And then finally, the removal of the old life. We see these things immediately in the life of this Zacchaeus here. and All of which, guys, would have never happened, though. None of these things would have happened. Uh, we, we have never been seen, never been heard, if Christ had not come into this world. The greatest gift given to creation, the greatest gift given to mankind, the greatest gift given to the universe is the one who truly keeps giving, and that is the gift of the Son of Man. So the first thing that we see here, this gift of the Son of Man, we need to understand is a miracle. 
It is a miracle. Beloved, uh, it is He uh, why we meet here this morning, not just on Christmas Eve, not just, we're not CEOs. We're not Christmas and Easter only, guys. I mean, listen, we don't have a Christmas service unless Sunday falls on Christmas. We don't have a Christmas service unless Wednesday falls on Christmas. Amen? That's not how we do things. We're not part of Christ Mass. We don't have Mass here. There's no massacre that is going on. We're not re-killing Jesus Christ. We come to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ every time we walk through those doors, when we come in here on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night. That's what we do. That is the part of it. We recognize the miracle of the Son of Man coming to this earth. It's not just uh, the miracle, guys, of, um, of once a year, but it is truly what we look at what happened, okay, miraculously during this Christmas time. Jesus Christ was neither born miraculously nor did he die miraculously, but rather he was conceived miraculously and then he was resurrected miraculously. According to Luke chapter 1, it was... Uh, it was in the sixth month of Elizabeth's uh, pregnancy with John the Baptist, who was Mary's sister, okay, and uh, Jesus' aunt, and that makes John the Baptist his cousin, uh, that the Holy Spirit came upon this young virgin who was a spouse to a carpenter by the name of Joseph. It was Zacharias, who was the husband of Elizabeth, who was a priest of the courts of Abiah, fulfilling his order during the eighth week of the Jewish year. Now, rather than us turn there this morning, you can... On First Chronicles 24 and verse 10. It was, we, that's how we know the course. It was the front end of the year. Everyone had a course to do the duty and the, pre, the, the work of a priest. And so we know that that happened. Uh, his was during the, the, the time of Abiah, which is the eighth week of the year. And therefore, we know exactly when Jesus Christ was conceived. Okay, you know, it was June of the year, or our June, we would say, uh, that we find that Elizabeth's conception of John, according to Luke chapter 1. Turn there with me, if you will. Luke chapter 1. So the conception of John the Baptist in Elizabeth occurred in, uh, in the month of June. Okie doke, Luke chapter 1, verse 24. Luke chapter 1, and it says, And after those days uh, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months. All right? So we know when that happened. The eighth week of the Jewish year, okay, uh, the eighth week is when... Um, John uh, Zacharias comes back from fulfilling his job, uh, his course of Abiah in the temple. So that places the Immaculate Conception because by the time Mary comes to see uh, her her aunt or comes to see her cousin there, uh, um, yeah, Mary comes back comes to see Elizabeth. Okay, do we find that it is um, the Immaculate Conception occurs during the end of our December? All right, look there if you will, Luke chapter one. Luke chapter 1 again, and in verses 28 through 38. Again, we're focusing on the miracle. And the Bible says right here, it says in verse 28, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled. Uh, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, uh, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Shall call his name Jesus. So we know, as we continue reading, we'll read down to verse 38. Um, 
And it says, in, uh, And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give uh, unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who, is called, uh, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angels departed from her. And we know in those days she went to see her cousin. She went to see uh, Elizabeth as to what was happening. And that was when the, leave, the, the, the babe leaped inside of her. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Okay, so we have a miracle that no man could ever duplicate. A virgin that conceived of the Holy Ghost of God, as promised 750 years prior to Jesus Christ being born. Again, something we'll cover here in just a second. Saying all that to say this, when we look at the miracle that occurred, it wasn't the birth. I know we celebrate the birth, but the key is he comes through a miraculous conception. And the key to that point is, is that he comes. He comes here. He comes down from heaven to here. He can't get here and fulfill those prophecies unless he is miraculously conceived by this virgin. Amen. So go back to Luke in chapter 19 with me and in verse 10. Verse 10. I want us to look at this verse and begin to break this verse down particularly. Luke 19 and verse 10. Notice here that he says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So what, what do we celebrate during this time? What is the main theme that we look at? What do we always focus on during this time of year? Jesus Christ being born. Jesus Christ coming to this earth. We also know that it's, that's known as his first coming or his first advent, okay? The Son of Man being born into this world. So now we begin to see the reason for the season. What is the reason for the season? The Son of Man, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the our God, our Savior has come to this earth. Amen and amen. So let's break the verse down. Let's first look at the man. Look at the man. We see that he's called the Son of Man. Out of love for a fallen, depraved race, the Son of Man is come as promised. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now that us in your Bible, if you want to circle that us, you can draw a line out to the side. That is Israel. That is not the world. That is not the United Kingdom. I don't care what Armstrong said. Amen. That's not America or Germany, but that is Israel. Unto us is born, amen, unto us a child is born. The latter part of that verse is a statement to the millennial kingdom that has not yet happened, but will happen soon, amen. The 1,000 year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, when then he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. By the very term, beloved. Christ's love for humanity is revealed. The Son of Man. Remember, the true miracle is not the birth, but the conception. Isaiah 7 and verse 14 tells us this. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, 
a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We know Emmanuel means what? God with us. Amen. I mean, how beautiful can it not be? Jesus Christ sat here at this table with this little man who had been a really just, a, I mean, a legal thief was what he was. And he gives the, he makes this profound statement in verse 10 that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus Christ had to come here in order to fulfill the prophecies that were written 750 years prior to his birth. Amen. Just stop and think about the, the, the prophecies. And I know we spoke on this here the other day, the other night. But the prophecies that was given concerning our Lord and Savior, all of the ones that were fulfilled just in the night in which he was conceived and born and brought forth in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, uh, in Bethlehem, in a, in a little manger, brought forth in an area on the outskirts and raised up in Nazareth and gone down to Egypt to hide for all. I mean, think about all the things that transpired that had to transpire for Jesus Christ to fulfill this portion of coming as the Son of Man. Notice his method that we find of him coming to save. The Bible says there in verse 10, is come. The fact, please pay attention here. Don't, don't get so, so dull to the hearing of this story. Guys, there's only one story of Jesus Christ coming to this earth. There's only one Christmas story. And we hear it every year. If you're following along in the book of Luke uh, uh, and you're reading, today you're in Luke 17 and you're reading the life of Christ and on the 24th, the day before Christmas, you'll finish the entire book of Luke if you're doing what Denise and a few of us are, are doing tonight or today. But I, I don't want it to ever just get old or get, you know, cold. I think sometimes, ah, just bear with me for a moment. It's a short sermon this morning. But I think sometimes we become so self-righteous in who we are. Maybe where we're from. Maybe our background, our family, our education, our money, our position, whatever it may be. But we become so self-righteous in that when we start talking about the virgin birth, and we start talking about the beauty of the scriptures, it's just one thing that crawls all over me with, you know, again, I, I've said it time and time again, I have more degrees than a thermometer, guys. I got more education than the majority of people, but I didn't let it hurt me, amen? I didn't let it ruin me. But so many people get so educated, they're beyond usefulness for the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. They lose the awe of the Word of God, standing in awe of the Holy Scripture. And I'm going to say this to you this morning with all love and compassion. If that's you today, be it here or listening online, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry if the Christmas story has grown cold to you. I feel sorry for you guys if you're still not mesmerized at the fact that the man, the son of God, the son of man used a method to come into this world to save me, to save you, to save your enemy. You know, I feel sorry for you that if you have Greek and Hebrewed the beauty of the Holy Scripture away from God's preserved word in the English, amen. I, I pity you. I feel so sorry for you. Man, I tell you, 
I had a doctor tell me one time, a doctor friend of mine, we were talking about my sleep patterns back in the day, and he's an English guy, actually. He was from Liverpool, moved to Nashville, Tennessee. He was trying to prescribe some medication to me because I wouldn't sleep. I said, man, I can't take any of that stuff. I'll sleep for days if I do that. I'm miserable. I, I, I just can't do it. I'm okay. And he goes, well, how often do you? I, I, I get about three, three and a half hours a night, I told him. And he goes, well, how long have you been doing this? I said, oh, since I was about 13, 12, 13 years old. And you know what his next statement to me was? And this is a friend, by the way. He said, man, what a miserable life. <laughs> I said, thanks, man. Appreciate that. Thanks for the vote of confidence, man. <laughs> and, uh, but for some reason, he, he popped in my head when I thought about those that named the name of Christ who open up these scriptures in the book of Luke and they read this verse like we're reading now, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. And it just it means nothing to him anymore. What a miserable life. There's joy in the Lord, guys. If you'll maintain that, that zeal, that excitement, that freshness of the Holy Scripture of the Word of God. If you'll stay into this AV and get out of those other things, there's joy that's there. You can usually mark someone who has no joy in their life. It usually says it on their face. The method is that he come. He didn't send a messenger. He didn't tell somebody else to do it. He was the only one that could do it. He took the responsibility. God the Father took on the sacrifice of his only begotten son to be crucified on a cross, but he had to get to this world first before that fateful day could occur. Beloved, the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, again, or that he is the Son, it reveals his humanity. The fact that, that, that he, his love uh, for mankind reveals his love for humanity, but now he is the Son of Man and he's come here and reveals his own humanity, but it also reveals his lordship and the fact that he came of his own volition. You know what one of my favorite verses, uh, one of my favorite verses are uh, on the crucifixion day is John 10, 18. I love this verse. No man taketh it from me, speaking of his life, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it to begin. This commandment have I received of my Father. Beloved, you know what that shows me today? If he's got the power to lay his life down and the power to take it back up, that means that he came to this world knowing what he had to do willingly. Was not forced. The Son of Man, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the future Prince of Peace, the future King of all kings. Listen, the God of all gods stepped off the edge of eternity, took off the robes of royalty, and put on the swaddling clothes as a babe. You know, he, the Bible tells us in Colossians that in him all things consist. We know that he spoke the worlds into existence. He could have done anything he wanted to. Adam was created as a full-grown man. Most believe he was 33 and a half years old, the age of Christ when he died as the Messiah. But he was a full-grown man when he was created. Jesus Christ, since he created Adam, the first Adam, amen, could have showed up here as a full-grown man if he wanted to. Why? Because for with God, nothing's impossible. But he chose to come as a result of fulfilling prophecy as a fragile baby. 
Children and babies are fragile, aren't they? Babies have to be nurtured and raised and trained and fed and changed and put down to sleep when they need to go to sleep, whether they want to or not. That's what babies have to be. Jesus Christ came. The Son of Man came. His method to come to this world to save us was willingly as a fragile baby. Jesus Christ says in John 15, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. 1 John chapter 3, and verse 16 tells us, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And it all started miraculous conception. It started, all started for the reason of the season, the miracle of a virgin conceiving. So let's finish this up today in this verse this morning. Let's look at his motive real quick. What was his motive of coming as a man? First, we find his motive was to seek, to seek, to search out. Beloved, the old hymn reads, O victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me. Beloved, it was Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, who came to seek, to look. Christ came looking, if you will. He did not come sulking. He didn't come sitting. He didn't come swimming. He didn't come even singing. He came to seek. What did he seek? He came to seek to save. That's his motive. That's his reason. Beloved, Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 12, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It was those who were sick with sin did Jesus Christ come to seek and to save. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. The motive behind the method of the man and the miracle is to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke in 15 verse 4 tells us, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, Doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it. You know the beauty of that verse? We're going to close actually in Luke 15 this morning. If you want to go ahead and get your finger there, we'll get there in just a second. But you know the beauty of the verse that you have on your screen right now? Luke 15 verse 4. What are the last four words in that verse? You know, we've talked about this who's your one campaign that we started back in the summertime. And you've heard Kelton get up here and bang that drum every single Sunday and Wednesday. Or him on Sunday, me on Wednesday. Politely persistent. Importunity. Be diligent. Be involved. Pray for them. Be on the phone with them. Go see them. Visit them. Talk to them. Speak to them. Often, over and over and over and over. You say, preacher, you're trying to wear them down? Absolutely, I'm trying to wear them down. That verse right there says, in the last four words, until he finds it. He's like a dog with a bone, man. He, he, I mean, listen, he had a reason he came to this world. He is seeking to find those who are lost and sick with sin, who needs to be saved and born again. And I'm telling you, he's going forth out there searching for that one person out of 99 until he finds them, amen. Not going to quit, not just for three weeks, three months, two years, one day, ten days. I'm going until I find them, he says. That's his motive. His motive wasn't come to build a kingdom then. 
His motive wasn't, wasn't uh, to come to, uh, to, to set himself up, to get a position, to become a king. His motive was to seek to save that which is lost. That's us. If you ever look into the history of your heritage, because some of you, some of us, we think too much of our heritage. Well, I'm from such and such place. I, I don't care where you're from. I don't. Neither is Jesus Christ. There ain't one person in their bloodline going to impress me other than the man in the middle, Jesus Christ. And I'm saying that for this purpose. You hear a lot about all these, go check your DNA, go do this and that, you know, get your blood and... Yeah, you better be careful doing that. I know some people have been quite shocked in what they found in their DNA, man. They got some brothers out there floating around they didn't know about. Mm-hmm. We want to like our heritage so much. Well, I'm a Englishman. I'm Welsh. I'm German. I'm American. Good for you. Why don't you go back to your original ancestors, all of us. We don't have to go back too far, but we can go back a couple thousand years. You know what we were? Big Dav, you know what we were? We were silly little Gentile Celtic pagans bowing down to stone idols, worshiping them, and committing sacrifice of children and animals and this and that. Yep. There's your heritage, big boy. How you like it now? We like to stop at the clean one, the nice one, the pretty one, don't we? But thanks be to God that Jesus Christ died on that cross, and a, and a man and a woman of God brought that gospel to this country right here and set up a, a, a pipeline for the gospel seed to be planted in the hearts and minds and the souls of men, women, and children for 2,000 years, for two millennia. Why? All because Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. It doesn't matter who you were two, three, four generations ago. You go back to the original bloodline of where you are. We were lost as a day is long. And thanks be and glory to God. It should never grow old, guys. It should stay fresh in your mind. So in closing, guys, I want us to remember. I want us to remember the miracle. I want us to remember the Son of Man. I want us to remember the method. Oh, but especially I want us to remember the motive because there is a memorial. There is a memorial. Turn in Luke 15. You should already be there in verse 5. Pick up where we left off in the verse 4 just a moment ago. And he says, And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Let them rejoice over the souls which were lost and found his way home through the Lord Jesus Christ. For there is no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes unto the Father but by me. And beloved, when you want to speak about a Christmas gift that truly, faithfully continues to give, it is the simple fact, very simple, that the Son of Man, the God of gods, the creator of all things, came to this earth. He came miraculously, or he was conceived miraculously. He came into this world to seek and to save that which is lost. That was his motive. His method was by way of a virgin to fulfill prophecy. And there's a memorial today that we should remember. That every time a soul gets saved, one soul saved, born again, and the angels of heaven rejoice. They're singing out loud. They're shouting it from the rooftops. And we can barely sing Christmas songs today. I don't know about you guys. But I'm going to purpose in my heart this year to wipe off any disgruntledness, any kind of angry face, even in the busyness of what the next couple of weeks hold. Because I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to come back to what Christ did for me. And I'm going to not look at what others did to me or what I've done to others. But I'm going to think of what Jesus has done for me and take that joy that Jesus Christ brought into this world and placed inside of my heart that I may be able to take it to someone else. My friend, that is a Christmas gift. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this moment, this time, this morning, I pray. Lord, let us be ever so mindful and thankful as we sing this closing song here in just a moment. My prayer, my heart's desire is that the message today would not fall on deaf ears nor dull hearing. I ask of you, Lord, today to please tender and touch our hearts. Let us ever be mindful of what we have heard. Let us praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Savior of mankind. And never forget what he has done for us personally. We ask these things in the precious name of our Lord, my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, I hope and pray that the preaching and teaching of the Word of God has been a blessing to your heart and your mind this morning.